0: In the Alanisim on Chanukah we say something that's not found in the Alanisim on Purim In Chanukah we have a line in Alanisim that says "The V'achekach bo v'anecho After the Nitzach and HaMilchama vanecha, your sons, your children came back to the on mikdash. Something that we don't find by Purim. If you look in the Rambam, and you look in the Nusach of the El Anisim, you'll find... That Klal Yisrael, it seems, by the time of Hanukkah, didn't really do tshuva. Hurim, we know, Klal Yisrael gathered together. Lichnois es Kala Yehudim, but sumo alai, Klal Yisrael came together. They did tshuva. Kimu mashakiblu kvar. It was a, it was an experience of tshuva that led to the Yeshua. But when it came to Hanukkah, Hanukkah, it seems that the Yidden actually did not do tshuva. It says in Al the Ata rachamecha rabim, that you, in your infinite mercy, you caused the Yeshua to happen, Hashem. We weren't deserving this time. We still. Maintained our our same state of Hisrashlos, as the Bach calls it. We were schwach in our yiddishkeit. We were a little bit complacent in our yados. But yet, mecha rabbim, the Yeshua was driven purely because Hakadosh Baruch had rachmanes on us. The washing of the Rambam, similarly in Elchaz Hanukkah, Perakim the tzar lohem li yisrael ma'od, the ivanim were very, caused a lot of anguish to Klaus Yisrael, Mipnehem. The lochatzum, lochatz godel, and they very much stressed klal Yisrael out. At sherichem aleim elekea veisenu v'reishie The stress, the duress, was what caused klal Yisrael. To be saved. It wasn't our own merits, but it was simply the love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had for us. The rachamim, the mercy, the pity, the compassion of a tati to a child is what spurred Hanukkah. Chanukah, the Yeshua, the Nesah Nitzacha, and the Hashemen, came brachamecha arabim. It was merely because Hakadosh Baruch Hu loved us as a cha- as a father loves his child. A friend of mine once told me a story that there was a a wealthy man who is taking a train, and all of a sudden, in the train, walks this like teenage kid. And he sits down next to this wealthy Gavir, and this teenage boy looked all disheveled. He looked like he hadn't had a shower in a long time, and he hadn't had a change of clothing or a shave. And this wealthy man was a nice person, and he started talking to this this young man. And he noticed that this young man, as he was schmoozing with him casually... He was very nervous about something. And so he asked him, What are you nervous about? What's on your mind? So he says, I'll tell you what's on my mind. He says, My parents and I, we haven't really gotten along so well at all. And about a year ago, it just, the relationship just hit an all time low. And we had some heated words and. I left in a huff and a puff and I left home, I ran away from home and I haven't really spoken to my parents at all since that argument a year ago but I miss my parents and I want to go home I don't want to live on the street anymore but I didn't have the courage to call my parents on the phone and try to build bridges and to make amends I just didn't have that, that strength So what I did was I wrote them a letter and in the letter I said that I don't know if you have it in your hearts anymore to take in a son who has maybe said a few more words than he should have to you and didn't give you too much pleasure in your life but in case you want to accept me back into your home I'm going to be taking a train on a certain day, on this and this day, at this and this time. And I'm going to be passing by the big oak tree that's right before the stop to get off by your house, by our house. And I'll be watching that oak tree as the train rolls by. And if you want me to come home, and you want to embrace me once again then just put a little white handkerchief and thumbtack that to the tree and I'll get off and I'll come home and in case you don't want to see me I understand that and just don't put anything on the tree and I'll understand and he said to this wealthy man he says that's why I'm nervous because this is the train and this is the day of the rendezvous. And I'm not sure whether or not as we're quickly approaching that stop whether or not that tree will have a handkerchief on it or not. And I'm nervous. And when he was nervous then this wealthy man also became nervous and was very curious as to see what would happen on that tree. And from a distance they were able to see already as the train was rolling closer and closer to that stop and to that tree and they couldn't believe what they saw this huge hundred year oak tree which was the size of, of a skyscraper was completely draped not with one handkerchief with rolls and rolls and rolls of material of white fabric covering the entire tree And this wealthy man embraced this teenage boy and with tears rolling down their cheeks they said goodbye and the wealthy man looks out the window and sees as the young boy runs into the arms of his parents and his siblings. It's hard for people that are your age to understand the feelings of a parent and sometimes as teenagers and young adults and people in their 20s and 30s sometimes we don't really always see eye to eye with our parents and sometimes we have differences in Ashkafa and sometimes we have differences in personalities and different opinions different levels of religious observance But you should always remember and you should always know that a parent inherently and intrinsically and deeply loves his child. And when a child is in danger, When a child is in dire straits, all a parent wants, regardless of the differences that took place, regardless of all the words that were exchanged, regardless regardless of all of the, the terrible episodes that may have taken place, all a parent wants is for a child to be safe again, and for a child to come home. we find by Rachel Imeinu Rachel Imeinu the reason why Hashkocha had it that Rachel was buried by Keva Rachel, not with Yaakov Avinu not in the Maris Samach was because it was by design because when Klal Yisrael were going to leave Eretz Yisrael, when they would be banished from Eretz Yisrael during the times of Nebuzradon by Nebuchadnezzar's Golos of Klal Yisrael Rachel li She can't stop crying. Rachel imenu. She sheds copious tears over her children who are leaving Eretz Yisrael. They're leaving their home. They're going into Galus. They're going to be in mortal danger, in physical danger, in spiritual danger throughout Galus. And Akedat Shemachu says. Don't cry, mini, Don't cry. Stop crying. Ki es sachar no The shavu banim legvulam. Your children will ultimately come back to their borders. This is the havtacha <laughs> that Akhri had to give Rachel. Imenu, Mama Rachel needed to hear. The Shavu Bonim Ligvulam. Otherwise, she would still, still be crying. And perhaps she still is, but that's the words of comfort that you give a mother who's worried about her children. That someday, the Shavu Bonim Ligvulam, your children will someday return safely to their borders. Who can forget? Maybe a year and a half, two years ago. when those three boys were taken captive by Yishmael, and how Kla Yisrael were davening for them because we didn't know their fate and for 18 days there were search crews looking all around Chevron and all of the areas of that where they were taken from we didn't know where they were and how the mothers were crying and going on on national television international television going to the UN doing anything that they could to beseech the world to help find their children I remember Mrs. Franco who was the mother of Naftali Franco she she said this I think many times but one particular time she said when she was asking She wants to ask everyone to do whatever they can to bring back our boys. We just want them back in our homes, in their beds. We just want to hug them again. That's all a parent really wants. All a parent really wants is to know that their child is safe at home. I'm not comparing myself in any which way to those Kedashim. But I'll never forget when I was... When I was learning in in Yeshiva, I went to Long Beach Yeshiva for high school and one year based Madrash. Uh, Long Beach is a very very good Yeshiva. It's one of the top Yeshivas in the country. It's like a branch of Lakewood. It's very Yeshivish. And... um, I went to Hebrew Academy of Long Beach for elementary school, and then I went um, really primarily geographically, because um, the Masifta of Long Beach was a block away from my house. And we used to daven there on Shabbos, my father, Al-Vashalm, was a big supporter of the yeshiva, so although it was mamish going, min al in terms of, you know, it was a major culture shock, but, um, and I hated it at first, it was like and you know, i it I was like complete, you know I wasn't at all used to it, but eventually the longer that I was there the longer i i I got used to it, and then I grew to love it and I'll never forget the the Friday nights in Long Beach, yeshiva, where you had hundreds of boys learning on the on these winter nights, these short Shabbosim, when you're able. This is the, the most beautiful time of your life. When you're able to be single, yeshiva bachrim, without any shibudim, and you're able to, right after the suda of Friday night, go to the base Medrash, where the Chavrus are, with your Chumash, or with your Gemaras, and just, you have like five, six hours of learning. Could there be something more beautiful than learning for five or six hours straight? And I remember you know, in Long Beach when all the lights went out in the Beis Madrash on those Friday nights in the winter and there was only the light of the minairah, the electric minairah by the bimah and how we would be holding our gemaras to those little lights of the, of the Amad just to another another hour of learning. Those are the best days of my life. But I'll never forget so many times as I was learning and I wanted to be part of the Chabura. And I was learning Friday night and it was like already, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And I almost knew, part of my brain knew that this was coming. But somebody came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Vamberger, your mother's downstairs. I said, oh no. So I went downstairs and my mother says, Where are you? We're waiting for you at home. We're worried about you. I said, Ma, you know, I want to stay here. She said, No, you got to come home. So I put on my coat and I came home. A mother just wants a child to come home. Until a child is home safe in bed, a, ch- a mother worries. I'll never forget when my was today Kenain Hari 14, when he was maybe 3, we were in my parents' house for Shabbos, and I guess my wife wanted to sleep, or I wanted to allow her to sleep a little bit on Shabbos afternoon, so I offered to to babysit Shleimelos, so I took him to uh, to the local shul which has like a nice side yard with a uh, with a playground and it's never a good idea to entrust a father to babysit a child because he doesn't know what he's doing and um you know Schleimler was like playing in part of the uh, running around in the yard and there was also like a football game going on at the same time so you know I like football a little bit enough I like Watching football more than I w- like watching my three-year-old kid. So, um, and so I was watching a you know a good play, and then all of a sudden, when I looked back, you know, to see Schleimler, he wasn't there, and I got so frantic, and I was run. First thing you do, you run into the street, you know, to see whether Chassou Shalom, he went out of the park out of the playground into the street and I was screaming his name and he wasn't there and I was running around the park like a mishugana like asking everybody did you see my son, did you see my son nobody knew where he was My momish had no idea I, was, I had no idea, you know, where he was and I had no idea how I was going to go home and tell my wife that I had no idea where he was and um, there was a uh, like one of those little tykes playhouses and that was like the last place that I didn't look and I opened up the door, and there, sure enough, was Schleimhüller. He was just playing, you know, relaxed. And I just picked him up in my arms and I hugged him. And that's what a parent does. When a parent senses that his child or her child is in danger, all a parent wants, even if you're mad at the child, even if you think that the child is wrong and there are differences, you just want your child safe. At the end of the day, all you want is to have your child safe in a safe place, comfortable, taken care of, at home. That's what a parent wants. And I think that's what happened during these times of Hanukkah. We were living in Eretz Yisrael, in the Baye And we had problems. We weren't a perfect people. And we were in Israel. we were a little shvach in our Avaid, or maybe a lot shvach in our Avaid, and we... could a Hu had tainis on us. And he allowed the forces of Yavon to enter Israel and to cause us a lot of tsar, to lachat some lachatskado, pressure and stress and turmoil, terrorism, terrorism. Achericheim aleihem, Hashem alekayave seino. Hakadosh Baruch said, "Listen, now is enough." Yes. We have our differences, but they're my child. I don't want them to be terrorized anymore. I don't want them to have this lachats and the tsar I want to bring them back into my embrace. I want to bring them back into my makimah mikdash. I want to show them that I love them, that enough is enough. And I think that's the shot in Aur al of Hanukkah. The Acha came Bo Vanechal Advir Vesechal. The Iker Dagesh, the main stress is on the word Banecha. When we speak about Alanisim, whether it's in benching or whether it's in davening, we should focus on that word Banecha. The achakach Baru Banecha Odvir says, My children come home. Enough! When you're in Sakana, when you're in mortal danger, spiritual danger, physical danger, when you feel you can't go out of your homes because you're afraid of the of the enemy that lurks the bloodthirsty enemy around us HaKadosh Baruch Hu says I just want you to come home forget our differences let's put aside let us let bygones be bygones but I want you home you're my son you're my children just come home my children that's what I want I don't want anything else There's a Gemara in Brachis. The Gemara in Brachis says that Eliyahu Navi, <coughs> Eliyahu Navi says that every single day when Klai Yisrael goes into their shuls and into their yeshivas and they say, Yehishmei Rabbim Mubarak HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Minanea Roshay He he shakes his head in a way as if he's bizarre, And he says, "Ashrei HaMelech Fortunate is the king who is praised in his house in such a magnificent manner. Yehishmei Rabbah is, is the most powerful prayer that we have. There's no more beautiful prayer. There's no more powerful and emotive tefillah than Yehishmei Rabbah Mevarech. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu every time he hears Yehosh Rabbah. And he says, How fortunate am I that I should have such praise said about me. And then, says, and then he says, Woe to the father who had to banish his children from his house. And woe is to the children who had to leave their father's table the Pnei Menachem, the Ge'er Rebbe, he says that this relationship, we're in galus. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at us and says, you're my son. And you're my sons, even if you make a mistake. Even if you have erred. Even if you have been sinful against me. I still love you. You're still my son. And I still regret the fact that you have to be in Galus, And I long for you to come home. And when we say Yeshme Rabbah, it evokes these emotions yachol, of a father that wants his child to come home already. And we likewise long for that day that we're able to be brought home. On Chanukah, we have an opportunity more than perhaps any other day of the year. To feel this connection between the love of HaKadosh Baruch and the love of a child and that magnetic pull that draws a parent and a child together. That's what we should be feeling. If we're able to tap deep into our neshama, on these holy days, we'd be able to feel and sense the acute love that Akrishpahu has, this baskel that comes down and says, I want you home. Why aren't you home already? The kach v'anecha, with I brought you home during the Bayashani and I want to bring you home again now. I miss you and I love you. And the tsaras that you're going through, I'm with you. Imachi bitsara. And I want you to come home. I want you to return home to me. Enough is enough. There was a a Rob once who had to go on a fundraising trip and he went to Milan in Italy, which was about a hundred years ago. And he went into a house of a very wealthy Jew and that's where he was staying during this trip. And he was admiring the breakfront in the very ornate dining room of this yid. And he noticed something odd in the breakfront. Amongst all of the silver and all of the china and all of the crystal, there was a a jar, like a flask, a glass jar, and it was shattered. Meaning there were like sharp edges to it, as if it was like a cracked jar that fell, but for some reason it had a place, like a very prominent place in this breakfront, and it should have, it looked like trash and this rabbi couldn't help but be curious and he asked the gvir, he asked this wealthy man what is this flask, this broken flask in your breakfront?" so this gvir says, I'll tell you my story what am I doing in Milan? He says, I was originally from Amsterdam. And I, I came to Milan as a young man to find a Parnassa. I had, I had relatives who lived here and they had a business for me to go into. And eventually I lost my Yiddishkeit. I stopped avening Shacharis, then I stopped davening Mincha, and then Meirev, and then eventually I stopped keeping Shabbos and I got married and I had a family but I wasn't religious one day I was walking in the streets of Milan and I passed by a whole group of boys playing and then I heard a cry of a young boy and I was wondering why he wasn't laughing and enjoying the game as well and so I went over to him and I said, young man, why are you crying? He was a Jewish boy, a religious boy. And he said, my father is a very poor man. And tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. And my father asked me to take the pennies and the nickels and the dimes that he had saved up the entire year to buy a pachshemen, to buy a jar of oil so that he could burn he could light the menorah. and in my excitement I went to the store and I gave the store owner the money, the change and he counted it one coin at a time and I was able to buy this Pach Shemen for tonight and for the rest of Hanukkah and I was running home excitedly to give it to my father and I tripped And the jar of oil, the glass jar of oil broke and shattered. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to go home to my father. And this boy kept on crying, How am I going to go home to my father? How am I going to appear to my father? How am I going to face my father? And this man said that it struck a very resonant chord in my heart and I went with him back to the to the store and I bought him an even bigger jar of oil and I sent him home on the way but that sound that voice that bascal of how am I going to go home to my father how am I going to appear before my father it kept echoing in my brain and all of a sudden it hit me I gave up everything I gave up my Yiddishkeit I gave up my Messirah. I gave up my Mitzvahs. I gave up my Tairah. For what? I'm going to die in a couple of years. How am I going to go up to my father? How am I going to show my face before the Kisei HaKaved? What am I going to say? And I decided then and there that I was going to start keeping Hanukkah. But before I went home with my Pach I went back and I scooped up those shards of glass that were on the street because I understood that that was an artifact that I needed to hold on to. That I needed to treasure. I needed to preserve. I needed to keep forever because that was going to remind me of this pivotal moment in my life if I ever should be in Israel. And I came home that day with my menorah and my Pachshem and I lit it in front of my wife and my children and they were happy that I was doing this and I lit the first night of Hanukkah and then I lit the second night and the third night and I lit all the way till the eighth night and that began my return to the rabbi Sholem that constant echo in my head doesn't stop how am I going to show myself before my father something about Hanukkah reminds us that there's an Abishten in the world that longs for us to come back to him, to reappear before him. He's crying for us. He's longing for us. He wants us to come home. And we just have to make a little bit of effort and we will be there. That's the sight of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a time that we feel that avos. We feel that fatherly love that shines upon us as children and this is why Hanukkah is such a family oriented time this is why Chanukah, the Gemara tells us, Mitzvah's Ne'er Chanukah is nari Besai. The main place of lighting Meneris is not in the shul. We light in the Shua, but the main place is to light at home. We're supposed to create at home an environment that a child feels the love of his parents, that a child longs to be home, the child feels the warmth and the embrace and smells the latkes and spins the dreidel And gets the gifts and understands that there's love and there's warmth and there's care and there's trust and there's openness and there's hope. That's what the Jewish home should be for all of us. And we should understand that that's how we're supposed to look forward to establishing our homes on Hanukkah and making it a place that our children know that this is the place that I want to be. I don't want to run away from home. I want to be here. This is where my home is. Because that's the cosmic Ava that exists between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and us befrat during these days of Hanukkah. And it's reflected in the in the homes that we have here, but it's much more of a cosmic love that's expressed in this relationship. The Gemara promises us as a skula that if you want to have a son who's a Talmud Chacham, and who doesn't want to have a son who's a Talmud Chacham, you should be Makbid, you should be Ragel Benair. And Rashi says, Ner Shabbos v'ner Chanukah. Ner Chanukah has something about it that's able to make a child want to be a Talmud Chacham. The great Rabbi Yaakov Yesef Herman spoke about the other Nair, the Nair Shabbos. Chanukah, we understand, it's Kishmak. What is Nair Shabbos? How does Nair Shabbos inspire a person to be a Tamil Chacham? So, Rabbi Yaakov Yesef was. we spoke about him so many times, he was one of the pioneers of American Yiddishkeit, all for the boss is the book that was written about him that must must read. He used to say a beautiful Yisai, you, you know why if a person is ruggle Bener Shabbos, you're going to have a child who's a Tamil Chacham? He says, because imagine the scenario, he says, of a father who, he tucks his child into bed on a Friday night, and then he goes downstairs and he learns by the Araner, And he learns into the wee hours of a Friday night like I described before that Ner Shabbos is serving as the candle that's illuminating the room. And the father is learning by that bright light. And he's learning and he's learning and then his son wakes up and it's 2.30 at night and he wants to get a drink of water from downstairs in the kitchen and he goes downstairs and he as he as he's walking down the staircase, he sees his father pouring over a black gemara, pouring, pouring over a Mikrais kedalis, pouring over a Mishnabura, and he sees the joy and the and the light in his father's eyes. How can a child that sees that in a father be anything but a Tamil chacham? We have to understand how the situation that we're living in today, after this 2,000 year Gullus, is so extreme. We live in such a great Gullus here in America. Look at what we're surrounded by. Look how lucky we are. Look at what we have we have such a great yeshiva we have such a great chevra we're able to sit around we have the freedom to sit the government is not stopping us our parents are not stopping us our lives have the freedom of religion of being close to the rabbin of being close to our rabbi and being close to our friends we're able to sit here on the second candle of Hanukkah and have bakal mikal kol, have sushi and have soda and have bakal mikal kol. And yet, b'nei Yisrael, in galus in Eretz Yisrael, the tsarist that they're going through perhaps is greater than the tsarist that they were going through during the days preceding Hanukkah. The terrorism, the pacha, the fear. Was there ever a time that a yid in Eretz Israel had to fear Mamish just pasha just walking down the street? That any random person may just pull out a knife and a starts stabbing with a sinnah, with a hatred. With an unfathomable bloodlust, to us it's unfathomable to civilize people, and the Avram, Mitz and Yaakov, we can't even understand it. So unthinkable. We are people that love life and have such respect for all human life. We can't understand how people could be so bloodthirsty. And our heart breaks as we every day daven and say till and, and think about the matzah that they have it so hard in Erich Yisrael. And as hard as it is to fathom and to read about. The stabbings, and to be, read about the the murders, and to read about the growing list Rachmanolitzlan of Kadeshim. and the Kadeshim are not just the ones that lose their lives. The Kadeshim are all the people that are being terrorized, and the Kadeshim are all the people that are that were that were wounded. You know, sometimes you hear on the radio, or you you read an article and you say, you know, there was a you know, a bomb or there was a stabbing or there was a you know a, a car uh, ramming and there was uh, you know there were no fatalities but there were there were four people that were wounded. Was, uh, Baruch Hashem, four people wounded that's a good thing. You don't know what these wounds are. It's not like these were four people that got paper cuts. Like what are these wounds? These wounds you know are serious you don't get hit by a car that's racing at 75 miles an hour and you know, just walk away with a, you know, with a band-aid. The wounds are sometimes worse than death. Sometimes these people will never walk, they will never see, they will never hear, they will never be able to breathe normally. We have to understand what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. This is not just, you know, these are our brothers, these are our sisters, and the lachats and the tsar that they're going through is our tsar. It's the it's just another chapter in history, but it's our chapter in history. It's our chapter of calls. And we hear the baskal, the Rabbi Shalom is saying, I don't want this anymore, I want you to come home, I want you to be safe. And it's up to us to bring ourselves home, to change this matzav. So that we can once again save Akikash bo Banecha. It came very close to home about three weeks ago. <coughs> when One month. Came very close to home. When Ezra Schwartz Shamin Kam That one. I think. was killed. Not that when you hear about somebody that was an Eretz Yisrael it makes it any less tragic. It just brought it very close to home. When you see an American boy born and bred in, in Boston, in Sharon, Massachusetts, and your, your heart just breaks seeing parents that just sent their child to Eretz to learn a little Tyra, to get a little kedusha HaTzaretz. They just wanted their child home. They just wanted him to go to Eretz Yisrael like our parents wanted us to go to Eretz Yisrael and then just to come back safe and continue their life. And they brought their child home, but unfortunately he wasn't alive. And it's something which is so painful. And it's such a reminder about how, how we have to bring our children home. How like Rachel must be crying. We just want you home. I just want you home already. It's enough. And I want to bring it even closer to home. We have a very special Talmud in Yeshiva, Eli Baruchov, who is Baruch Hashem with us here tonight. And I'm sure we all know his story. And his story is our story. When we heard the news it was mortifying. And the fact that Baruch Hashem is here with us and he's safe and he's home shows us how Krishbarachu loves us. Now Krishbarachu wants us home. And he sent us a personal message and a personal hug through Eli. And this Hanukkah Mesiba is dedicated as a sudas haidah to the Ravai Nishnaylam. A personal haidah. And I'm a shliach tzibur. On behalf of every single person, the yeshiva, the Anhalas yeshiva how grateful we are to the Rabbi Shalom that Eli, he was wounded but Baruch Hashem he's safe and he's home and the fact that you're here with us tonight and the fact that you're able to, to Baruch Hashem partake in this Suda Saida, means so much to all of us I have a little bit of a tradition every Hanukkah or most Hanukkahs by the Masiba that I end off with a, with a niggin and the niggin this year it's really always the same niggin but the niggin from year to year the words are the same but the meaning is different see that transition that I had between Halbin and the Masifta of Long Beach was sort of, it wasn't as much of a culture shock as I maybe made it out to be because I had a Rebbe in 7th and 8th grade who was a very and a wonderful Rebbe and he really changed the life of many, many of my friends and myself and he died unfortunately very, very young too young but I'll never forget when he invited us to his house as Rabbi do on Hanukkah. and he lived in Brooklyn and you know the distance from Long Beach to Brooklyn is not just 45 minutes it's 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 light years away Long Beach was you know there were parts of Long Beach that were very yeshivish and there were parts that were extremely modern and you know and he invited us and we we went to his house in Brooklyn modern Orthodox kids with very little you know interest really I guess in, in anything but, uh, but movies and sports and and he opened our eyes to a different life, to a different world to different Hasagas and he invited us into our, his home on Chanukah, And, and I remember as Rabitson told she was popping popcorn. I don't know why. That's I just smell that popcorn till today. Every Hanukkah And he told us to retire up and he sang with us. And he taught us a nigan. And the nigan a beautiful niggin and I, I, I sing it on Purim in the Purim Shack and some of you I'm sure know it, I'm sure some of you don't know it but I hope that you'll learn it and the words you know, the words are very Hanukkah-esque they're from Mizmer Sheikh Anukah Saba'i so that we say at the end of Davening during the days of Hanukkah and or from the beginning of the of the Mizmer a mimcha Hashem kidilisani I will extol you, Hashem. I will be muraimim you, I will uplift you, I will raise you. Kidili sani, because you uplifted me, You took me from death to life. You took me from the lowest abyss to the heights of Shamayim and you didn't allow you didn't permit my enemies to rejoice over me you didn't allow my enemies to rejoice over me so I will uplift you Hashem I will raise you Hashem I will praise you I will be kaveya these days, v'aida, because you uplifted me. You didn't allow my enemies to rejoice over me. Now, years ago, I don't know what, if I knew what that meant. But this Hanukkah, how could we not know what that meant? Imagine if the story had been a little bit different with did with her belly imagine how the Ivan would be so happy imagine how much candy would be distributed in in the Arab street but you didn't allow that to happen you brought our Eli back safe you didn't allow Bnei Yishmal to be happy and to rejoice over us You allowed us to rejoice in you. The nigan goes something like this.